0: Part five of my series on why the FBI must be dismantled, an active shooter from a few weeks ago you probably never even heard about, and just how badly is former Attorney General William Barr betraying our country? Details on this edition of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 236 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Saturday, September 10th, 2022. Now, just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious The last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman. And I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners. Most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right, now, a lot going on here and a lot to unpack. First of all, Steve Bannon went on the uh, Charlie Kirk Show Friday to talk about what happened in Thursday, Thursday, Bannon says, and it has been confirmed by other sources, that the feds raided 35 close associates of President Trump. That's really bad. So let's let's get into that. We want to take a look at what Bannon told Charlie Kirk. And it went something like this.
1: Yesterday was one of the best days of my life. It was a very powerful, spiritual day for me. It was uh, a lot of things were, you know, came into high clarity. I was totally in the zone, as you say, in sports the entire time. And, uh, you know, they're not going to shut me up. You saw from the demonic speech that Biden gave in Philadelphia. Exactly. This is a dying regime. That was a primal scream. And here, what they're trying to do, no matter who it is, Donald Trump and mar lago there were 35 FBI raids yesterday. Right. There's another grand jury coming together on January 6th. The Washington Post reported it. They just reported a couple of names. There were 35 senior members of MAGA, Republicans, supporters of Donald Trump. The FBI rolled in on. Right. When they didn't need to do it. Remember, all these people have lawyers. All their lawyers are very well known. No. The jackbooted Gestapo has got to show up at their door and make a big display of this. So there's so much going on that people don't even know at so many levels. On trying to put people in in bankruptcy, trying to deplatform them, all of it. And quite frankly, I think that's what's so powerful about you guys having this great reset conference, because this is really what it's about. This is this globalist apparatus. That's right. This is the American arm of that, the Biden regime. And what they're trying to do is shut down everybody, whether it's Alex Jones, Charlie Kirk, Steve Bannon, Mm -hmm. Tucker Carlson, Donald Trump. They're trying to use lawfare financial terrorism, everything legally, and quite frankly, up to assassinations. That's why they're swatting people like crazy. So we got to right. work out for force. And if we blink, if you blink, it's over. So screw them. I spit right in their eye. I could care less. We're coming. We're rolling, and we're rolling hard, baby.
0: So then Charlie Kirk comes back and says, it's the only way to fight them, Steve. And then he says, can you reiterate that? You said there were 35 FBI raids yesterday? He says, "I consider myself well-read. I I didn't see that anywhere. Can you please elaborate on that?" And so Bannon does. Operator reported. I'm breaking that news right here. If you go
1: to the Washington Post story, think Josh Dawsey's story. If your staff pulls it, Charlie, they mentioned I think five names, Boris Epstein being one of them. But I think there's five people. There were thirty-five. 35, FBI went to 35 years. All these people have lawyers. They all know who the lawyers are. They didn't serve the subpoenas to the lawyers. They want to make a big display of it. They want to take a bunch of their devices. This is the FBI trying to roll in and trying to be muscle, right? This is the Gestapo. This is the Gestapo attack. Look, this is all about intimidation. Whether it's what they did with me yesterday, what they're doing with Alex Jones, what they're doing with other people to debank them, to make sure they can't fund their operations. If it's Trump, look at President of the United States, a completely, totally illegal raid, of which a judge said was an illegal raid. The judge's opinion says, I don't trust the Justice Department and the FBI to be fair. That's a federal judge. Okay? You see it all over in 35 members of maga the republican party people close to donald trump were rolled in on yesterday by the fbi with these intimidation tactics normally what you would do here charlie is you would go to their lawyer and say hey we want to know can you accept service of the subpoena can you accept service of this or we may want to talk to you about certain of your devices and can we work something out no they didn't do that they go with the jackboots and they kick down the doors and they bang on the doors and they roll in people to intimidate them to make sure that they sit there and go oh what do you want uh you know i'll do anything etc These people didn't, and this is the FBI. The FBI is the Gestapo right now. I know they hate when I say that, but they're the Gestapo. We're not going to back off calling them the Gestapo because they have Gestapo-like tactics. Here's my point. They're losing. They're only trying to use this uh, national security state muscle because they know they're not winning. And quite frankly, when you do things like the Great Reset this weekend and get young Mm -hmm. people up to speed on what's going on, that drives them even more insane. So hey. Turning point's going to be a target, a big league target, okay? So just stand by, Charlie. It's all coming. It's all going to come hard and heavy.
0: All right. That's impressive. you got to give it to him. Bannon's one of the guys that is fighting for freedom and liberty and the future of this country. I don't know him from Adam. Never met him, never spoke to him. Hope to someday. But he is... uh, He's there when it counts. Now, Tucker Carlson, Friday evening on his show on Fox News, said the FBI, you know, kind of picking up where Bannon left off, he said the FBI has launched a full scale purge of supporters of Donald Trump. That would be Joe Biden's likely opponent in the coming presidential election, and that purge has intensified significantly today. So, Steve Bannon just said that yesterday alone, meaning Thursday, the FBI raided the homes of dozens of Trump allies. We want to get to the bottom of the story. He said that on the Charlie Kirk Show. We've been trying to run it down ever since. We reached out to Harmeet Dillon, who says she has some information on this. She's managing partner of the Dillon Law Group, and he doesn't mention, but she uh, represented Carter Page. Says, Harmi, thanks so much for coming on. What is the truth? And this was her response.
2: Well, the truth is that a few days ago, a political reporter called several people and said, hey, have you heard or have you been served yet? The FBI is going to be serving 50 approximately search warrants and or subpoenas on Trump supporters. And then, you know, within 24 hours of that, two of our clients, three of our clients actually did either get search warrants or subpoenas. And these subpoenas are extremely broad. They're from the capital siege section of the United States Department of Justice's uh, DC office and they asked for broad categories of documents, they asked for all communications dating from a month before the election until two months after the election and they asked for all communications regarding uh, dozens of people and the categories are alternate electors uh, fundraising around irregularities around the election and also a a rally that happened before the January 6th uh, Situation at the Capitol, so the Save America rally that happened. And so basically most of this activity, if not all of it, is protected by the First Amendment. And the United States Department of Justice is telling reporters about these search warrants and subpoenas before they're executed. There's no other explanation for this. And I think the reason for this is to instill fear into Donald Trump supporters and into those who would challenge election irregularities right before an upcoming election, Tucker. So this is really outrageous abuse by the DOJ, and it is illegal for the DOJ to leak this information to the media, Tucker.
0: Gee, I wonder why, um, wonder why Bannon called the uh, FBI the Gestapo. Gee, I can't imagine. Can't imagine. Well, Tucker responded to Harmy Dillon saying, if you alone have three personal clients who've been raided, then it tells you the scale of this. I can't believe decent liberals are sitting back and allowing this to happen. This will wreck the country. And they're saying nothing about it. It's really shocking to me. Well, Tucker, I mean, God bless you. You're a good guy. You get to do a lot of things. But decent liberals. Um, scratching my head here. I mean, Jonathan Turley has said some, true things recently but decent liberals i'm i'm having a hard time coming up with any in this day and age liberal means pro abortion and you know that by definition is not going to be liberal is not going to be decent pardon me So I was doing show prep for the, the, the program, uh, once again, you know, stayed up all night, Friday night, doing show prep for Friday's show, which, way you know, I wind up doing Saturday morning, but that's okay. This is what I do. And I often go through the Twitter feed of my friend Julie Kelly, who writes for American Greatness, just to see what she's talking about, but also seeing what she is retweeting. And Andy McCarthy, a former federal prosecutor, the guy who took down the blind sheikh, Abdul Rahman, and his merry band of jihadists back in the 90s, after they tried to blow up the World Trade Center in 93. The guy who's written a number of great books, including Willful Blindness, seems to be kind of blind himself these days. And he's got a new article out entitled, The DOJ Sends Ominous Sign for Trump. And the great Jeff Carlson, who writes over the epictimes.com, said, Andy, how is it that we've arrived at such a point? People like myself were warning you of this years ago. Okay? So, I thought I would take a look at Brother McCarthy's article because um, ever since the Trump impeachment, Andrew McCarthy and I, and I used to interview the guy on my local talk radio show, not only in Little Rock, but in Panama City, Florida, before that, Um, you know, the great Rush Limbaugh, who we, Missed terribly. He um, he hardly ever interviewed anybody. But when Andrew McCarthy would write a book, Rush Limbaugh would interview Andrew McCarthy. That's how good and solid and conservative this guy was. And there were there were times when I would interview McCarthy the day after Rush interviewed him, and I just really felt like, wow, maybe I am in this. Talk radio industry after all. I get to interview this guy that Rush just interviewed the day before, and Rush never interviews anybody. But that's how strong some of Andy's books like Willful Blindness were. And, and now, sadly, the question is, has Andy become willfully blind? He has an article here called The DOJ Sends Ominous Sign for Trump. National Review. He says, homing in on the weakest parts of a Labor Day order granting former President Donald Trump a special master to review materials seized in the Mar-a-Lago search, the Justice Department has asked Federal District Judge Eileen Cannon to undo restrictions she imposed on the government's ability to use classified documents removed from the estate. The government's application filed on Thursday warns that it will promptly appeal if Judge Cannon does not grant its narrow request within a week. He says, Ominously, prosecutors also signaled that their criminal investigation of the former president's alleged mishandling of national defense secrets is active and intensifying, exploring the possibility that Trump continues to retain highly sensitive intelligence and may have relocated and or misrepresented Placed some classified documents. The uncovering of such conduct, if it happened, would dramatically increase the likelihood that he would face criminal charges. Now, all this has been dealt with by Mike Davis, former law clerk for Justice Gorsuch, former, special, former chief counsel for the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee under Senator Grassley. He's dealt with all this. He's explained why as president, Trump could declassify anything he wanted to. And he's explained why. And he's, he's gone into court cases about this. Quoting court cases. He's allowed to keep copies of anything he declassified. And the fact that the federal government Provides private offices for former presidents. So you can say all you want, the government retains possession of, yeah, possession of at the private office where they provide Secret Service security. And you can't charge somebody for obstructing your investigation of something that is not a crime. But Andrew McCarthy, who's very intelligent, seems to be blissfully unaware of all this. Anyway, he continues here in the National Review. Speculation over whether the Justice Department would appeal the order Judge Cannon issued Monday has been rampant. Prosecutors appear to have settled on a strategy that that could obviate any appeal, although they are keeping their options open. If Cannon were to grant the government's latest application, which is couched as a motion for a partial stay pending appeal, she would essentially be confessing error regarding the most critical part of her ruling, the dubious theory that a former president retains authority to invoke executive privilege against the incumbent executive branch, even to the extent of impeding the latter's national security functions. Andy, 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 there's, there's no dubious theory. He declassified whatever he wanted to. There's no there there, Andy. Oh, my goodness. He continues, at least for now, the Justice Department would proceed with the selection of a special master, provided that such a a court appointee would review only the non-classified seizures. Excuse me. No, no, the judge said the DOJ and Trump's lawyers would have to agree on the special master. Anyway. Anyway. He says the DOJ stresses its belief that Judge Cannon also erred in concluding that Trump might have a valid executive privilege claim over these documents. Its objections notwithstanding, though, the government appears to see a path to getting through a special master's review process rapidly, which could avoid the weeks of delay that an appeal to the 11th Circuit would entail. And then Andy McCarthy says, why has it decided it can probably live with a special master? The DOJ maintains that its filtering team was over-inclusive in screening out documents based on the barest possibility that Trump could have a valid claim of attorney-client privilege. Those documents have thus been withheld from the team of prosecutors and FBI agents conducting the criminal investigation, there is no possibility of taint. So, he's just taking their word for it. After how many years of Russia collusion? After the FBI knew as early as January 2017 that the Steele dossier was bogus? After the FBI's head of counterterrorism and Merrick Garland both refused to say how many federal agents were on the ground in with the Trump protesters at January 6th. After the special agent in charge of the Detroit field office gets promoted to be in charge of the Washington, D.C. field office right after the kidnapping hoax about the Michigan governor Andy's just taking their word for it. How can you be so blind, Andy? Those documents have thus been withheld from the team of prosecutors and FBI. All this leaking going on from DOJ. And Andy McCarthy is acting as if the DOJ and the FBI are as pure as, as the driven snow. I, You know what? I did a tweet responding to Jeff Carlson. And I said, I just read the article. Unfortunately, Andrew McCarthy doggedly insists on taking this thoroughly corrupt and politicized DOJ slash FBI at their word that they're simply interested in our national security and possible violations of the law. Hashtag remarkable. I'm sorry. I I am not going to torment you with the rest of Andy McCarthy's convoluted arguments in his article in the National Review. But I will say this. He tweeted it out three times a few hours apart because nobody was retweeting it. That uh, that might tell us something. Now, the great Nick Searcy, who was in my favorite movie ever, Greater, the Brandon Burlsworth story, the great Nick Searcy... Responded to Jeff Carlson's tweet saying, How do you think we got here, Andy? with some video clips from his fantastic movie, Capital Punishment, the Movie.com, about innocent families that have been tormented by Joe Biden's FBI. And I've got that coming up. Plus, as I mentioned earlier, the story on an active shooter from just a few weeks ago, right here in America, you probably never heard about. And just how badly is former Attorney General William Barr betraying our country? There's a lot to talk about as we do the live stream on a Saturday morning of the Doc Washburn Show. But first, let me just mention again how thankful we are, how blessed we are that we have advertisers who make it possible for us to do this show, who make it possible for me to focus on spending most of my waking hours preparing for this program. These adver- Without these advertisers, I, I, I couldn't be doing this show. So we thank you to our advertisers, our friends, for making The Doc Washburn Show possible. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guide you through a few easy questions, and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else. Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401K or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501-303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Thank you again so much to Jonathan Presswood, our friend at Edward Jones Financial Advisors. Also to Mitch Ward, our friend who owns RedRiverYourWay.com. We really appreciate both you guys for making it possible for us to do the Doc Washburn Show five times a week. All right, um, let's take a look... Let's take a look at this. Congressman Thomas Massey out of Kentucky said, when Merrick Garland testified in front of the House Judiciary Committee, I showed him the video of Ray Epps urging people on to get into the Capitol He then refused to answer my question of how many agents or assets of the federal government were present on January 5th and 6th. How about that? So, it's just remarkable to me that People like Andy McCarthy don't want to deal with that. You know? What is it? What is it about people who are so intelligent who have written just um, remarkable books like, like a book about You know what willful blindness was about? He wrote it in 08. When George W. was still president. And he wrote it about the fact that, well, when, when, when he was given the job of prosecuting the blind sheikh, Abdul Rahman, who tried to take down the World Trade Center, tried to blow it up in 1993, he had to read thousands of pages of documents. And he said, you know, for some reason, as an Irish Catholic kid growing up in New York, I guess I just always figured that um, Islam was a religion of peace and uh, these violent people must be some kind of fringe lunatics. He said... But after reading thousands of pages of documents, I came to the horrifying conclusion, oh, no, 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 they're not fringe lunatics, they're mainstream. He said on three different occasions, he had peaceful, mainstream, patriotic American Muslims on the witness stand. Now, again, this is years before 9-11. And each time he would ask somebody like that, people who just want to be left alone, raise their kids in peace, be Americans who happen to be Muslims. Each time he asked somebody like that, could you please explain to me what the concept of jihad is in your religion? Each of the three said, you know, I'm really not an expert on my religion. You need to ask somebody who is like that guy over there pointing to the blind Sheikh who had tried to blow up the world trade center. He said, I was horrified. So, Willful Blindness was a book that Andrew McCarthy wrote about the fact that our leaders, Democrat or Republican, George W. Bush, Hillary Clinton, whoever, Ron Paul on the one hand, to Al Gore on the other hand, it was too painful for any of them to consider the possibility that people who wanted to try to kill us in the name of their religion were not twisting anything about their religion. That it had nothing to do with us being a decadent society. It had something to do with what was written in the Quran. So, why do I say all that? I say all that to say this. The guy who wrote the book about willful blindness is now being willfully blind to what's going on right in front of his face with the Biden regime. Merrick Garland and uh, Lisa Monaco, DOJ, and Chris Ray, FBI, and and that's just horrifying to me. Cash Patel worked for uh, Devin Nunes, California Congressman, who kind of discovered the Crossfire Hurricane situation. Eventually, became uh, chief of staff for the Secretary of Defense in the waning days of the trumpers uh, the trump administration and cash patel has something called cash's corner over on the epic times and i've got a clip from it in which he talks about what the judge said okay this judge eileen cannon who approved Trump's lawyer's request to have a special master. And, and, and Cash is no slouch either. He's pretty sharp. And I think he's got a really different way of looking at it than Andrew McCarthy over at
3: the National Review. And here he is. So most people, um, thanks to last week's show, now know what a special master is and their job and the role of a special master. We'll get back into that. But the significant news is that the judge, Judge Cannon in the Southern District of Florida, ruled to allow a special master to come in. Big ruling. But, in my opinion, it totally follows the law and is warranted by the circumstances. As Judge Cannon's order on a special master puts forth more succinctly than I'll be able to say, she basically says this case is so unique, it involves a former precedent, and it also involves such high-level legal issues, executive privilege, and the uh, attorney-client privilege, personal records. All of these things, she said, have to be done above board. That's why I'm bringing in a special master, and she also has some harsh things to say about the DOJ and their handling and their execution of not just the search warrant itself, but how they went about uh, raiding Mar-a-Lago and what they took. That's actually very interesting in itself, that she kind of goes into some detail and says, you know, there's there's things that were seized that, you know, are suspect, I guess. Yeah. So, one, 40-plus years of medical records, it looks like. Two, tax documents, three, attorney-client privilege information, four, executive privilege information, and if you can believe it, they took clothing, Um, And so the judge, I think, rightfully so, has come in and said, you know, search warrants pursuant to the FBI's own operating manual are supposed to be conducted in the least intrusive manner when authorized because a search warrant is, by its definition, an invasion of someone's privacy. Um, And so the FBI is trained to do it without sort of going in there like you see in the movies and breaking glass and throwing people down to the ground. They're supposed to do it professionally and smartly. What the judge is saying, you guys didn't do that. And if that wasn't bad enough. She's basically uh, told the world that the DOJ should have done a better job, not just the FBI. The DOJ took all this stuff and didn't necessarily inform the court directly that it had taken executive privilege materials.
0: Now, who are you going to believe? Cash Patel or Andy McCarthy? I believe Cash Patel. Now, I said a few minutes ago I was going to play some clips from Nick Searcy's wonderful movie, Capital Punishment The Movie.com. You need to see it. About what it happened, not only what happened January 6th, but how the FBI has terrorized innocent American families after that. The FBI's got to be dismantled. It's got to be dismantled. By the way, did you realize? I don't know if you knew, I've mentioned it before, but not everybody can catch every episode. When they did the unconstitutional, illegal, unprecedented, outrageous raid on the home of President Trump, Mar-a-Lago, um, they didn't use FBI agents from South Florida. Oh, no, no, no. They sent down agents from the Washington, D.C., field office, the same field office that oversaw the uh, Fed surrection, January 6, 2021, the U.S. Capitol. No, no, not an insurrection, a fed-surrection. You know, there are videos and pictures, not only of Ray Epps urging people to go in, and they will not prosecute him, urging people to go in the Capitol, but also of a guy who looks about 60 years old, wearing glasses on top of the scaffolding outside the Capitol with a bullhorn urging people to go in. Facial recognition technology would be easy for the feds to figure out who this guy is if he wasn't one of them. So they just act like he doesn't exist. They acted like Ray Epps didn't exist until too many people started asking about him, and then they got the New York Times to do a a powder puff interview with him. He instigated things more than anybody else. So he, Ray Epps and, and, that, and the guy that was on the scaffolding. And they will not indict them. And you know why. And you know why. The FBI must be dismantled. It must be. So, the Kinison family from Southern California, that was the, uh, the first link to a YouTube video that Nick Searcy provided in response to Jeff Carlson's tweet to Andy McCarthy, How Did We Get Here? This is from Capital Punishment, the produced and directed by the great Nick Searcy.
4: It was uh, February 19th, uh, 6.02 in the morning, I was asleep, I heard something, I woke up a little disoriented, so I, so I started hearing this this voice. The FBI, you have
5: a federal search warrant for the
6: property, come out with your hands.
4: All occupants, and they list my address, and um, they said, this is the uh, FBI, we have a federal search warrant for your property, come out with your hands up and nothing in your hands. And. Immediately, I was just in disbelief. I thought, I was like, which one of my buddies is, is pulling this, this prank on me? But then I kind of see some lights flashing, reflections. So I'm like, okay, so I ran to the front of my house into the spare bedroom. I got shutters. I opened the shutters, and I just saw um, one of those huge, like, Bearcat tactical vehicles that had the battering ram you know, mounted to the front, and it was pointed right at that window that I cracked, you know, cracked the shutters, and I shut them as fast as I could, and I'm like, okay, this is not a joke, I ran into the next room uh, where my daughter was sleeping, fortunately my wife is at work, but unfortunately my daughter was was sleeping, she was there, and I just ran in, and... All I can muster to say was, uh, you know, sweetheart, you got to wake up. Daddy has to go outside right now.
0: The uh, Johnson family of Southern California. There are three clips. The, uh, The next clip is from Dr. Simone Gold. She is... One of the frontline America doctors who's been trying to get the uh, the truth out about the China virus, the Wu Flu, and early treatment stuff like ivermectin. Well, she happened to be at the Capitol that day on January sixth. I think she was talking about COVID. Didn't do anything violent. Didn't vandalize anything. But she just went to jail. She just got out uh, Friday after being in jail. I think it was 90 days for nothing. What parading, right? Anyway. To hear her tell. Tell about how the FBI raided her place. And again, she is an M.D. She's never been accused of doing any violence, never been in trouble with the law. But to hear how the FBI treated her, as if she were some kind of violent criminal, It's, it's truly beyond the pale. All right, here she is.
7: If the government was concerned about my actions or behavior, somebody like me, who's not violent and has never been accused ever of anything violent, you would expect a phone call. I'm mm-hmm. very easy to track down. So in no way, shape, or form was I expecting the FBI to scare me to death and break down my door mm-hmm. with 20 guys. A dozen guns, long, big machine guns, pointed at me. It was so over the top, there's still no words to describe it.
4: At what point were you contacted? (laughs) Um,
1: By the the scariest, most aggressive pounding on the door that I think I've ever heard, uh, preceded by the door being literally broken down and busted through in a matter of 60 seconds or so um, with screams of FBI, FBI. It's
7: not yelling. This is not like normal yelling. This is like screaming at the top of your lungs. It's like a, a death scream. It's so scary when it is. They're bursting in the door. And then like six feet from me is a big guy, FBI, guns drawn.
1: 10 or 12 people that rush in immediately with automatic rifles and screaming at the top of their lungs like full you know, battle gear.
7: That was pretty good. It was about twice that that decimal. But like that. About twice that. Bigger? Okay. But that was that was quite loud. Yeah. Yeah. It was very about yeah, that was close.
5: Close to that. Okay. And then what happened?
7: Oh my God! Oh my God! It's like it's giving me it's like giving me PTSD. Like honestly, it's like so scary. It was so and I froze and it completely froze. And I leap up and I just kind of stood there. And then they're like, "We're gonna break the door down! We're gonna break the door down!" I'm like, "Hang on!" And we're turning around to open the door and they broke the door down.
5: And so then what? They just sort of this is when they hands started. Hands up! Saying,
7: hands up! Hands up! Put your hands on the wall! Hands on the wall! Turn around! Turn. Really scary. really you scary. we were right there, and you turned basically, around. Basically, right where Sarah is.
4: You back up against that wall, oh and oh my gosh! Is
7: it giving me a heart attack? It's like so scary.
0: That's uh, Doctor Simone Gold. Um, th- there's no reason. That, well, there's a reason. They're trying to intimidate her. They're trying to scare her. But there's no excuse for that kind of behavior. I'm I'm just getting sick and tired of hearing, you know, like, like Sean Hannity will say, "Well, you know, it's just the leadership. It's just the guys on the seventh floor in the FBI building in Washington D.C. All the local agents are just fine." Well, you know what? There's a bunch of local agents in Detroit that tried to entrap. Some guys that didn't have two nickels to rub together tried to create some kind of a plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan. And the guys didn't want to do it. There was a guy. You you remember hearing about this? There was a guy who was living in the basement of a vacuum cleaner repair shop with no running water. You know? He, he had to go uh, next door to the Mexican restaurant to use the bathroom, and to try to clean clean up a little bit. And over and over again, they offered him a $5,000 credit card because they wanted him to buy weapons. And he wouldn't take it. You know, I, I don't think it's Christopher Ray who's breaking people's doors down. I think that's local FBI agents, right? Am I am I missing something? Hopelessly corrupt FBI and DOJ, hopelessly corrupt. So you know, I um, I hope we're going to have another Republican president, but I don't know. I don't know if we will or not because I don't know if they fixed what needed to be fixed in the five swing states. We'll see. But if we do, um, there's a lot of stuff they need to dismantle, including the FBI. Absolutely, positively, no way around it. I mean, this is the fifth show I've done on why. Okay, all right we've got um, got one more clip from Nick Searcy's great movie, Capital Punishment the movie.com. This is the Martinez family from Southern California. And they interview the dad. And the mom is sitting there at the table, too. I don't think she says anything, but the 13-year-old daughter does. The 13-year-old daughter looks like a little girl, and they put handcuffs on her. Why would you uh, Why would you do something like that to a little kid? You know, that you're waking up early in the morning, put handcuffs on a little kid. Yeah, because we're the FBI. We can do whatever we want, right? I guess...
4: Here it is.
5: My wife said she heard them before uh, before I heard them. I'm a very heavy sleeper. But what woke me up was a concussion grenade. Those things are, are really loud. Once I get into the area where the, the living room and the kitchen opens up, um, another flash... Clock went off on the side of my house and I could see the silhouettes of about 10, at least 10 on the side of my house. You could just see all the tactical gear and everything. When I got to the door, they called me by my by Tony. Tony, this is the FBI. Open up the door. And I opened up the blinds and I was like, oh, my dog was right next to me and he was going crazy. And I said, let me secure my dog. Hold on. I said, if you don't open the door, we're going to break in the front door. And I'm thinking, okay, if they take me away, I don't want to leave this big hole in front of my house for my family. Right. At that point, the back um, sliding glass door breaks. They come in through that. And so I'm like, okay, they mean business. And I wasn't able to grab my dog. And I opened up the front door, and he went running out. And I said, don't shoot my dog. Don't shoot my dog. He's a good dog. How long did it take your dog to come back? A week. So you you got woken up in the midst of all this, too.
6: I was confused, and my hearing was starting to come back, and it started like war. Yeah. Like, it was crazy. There was flashes, and just the
1: loudest bangs on the door, it was like almost shaking the house. My dad was at the door, and he was about to open it, and I went to grab my dog. Before I could grab my dog, um, they handcuffed me.
5: They handcuffed you. Yes.
0: Wow. There's no excuse, man. There's no excuse. In my mind, that's not a law enforcement agency. I don't know what I don't want you. I don't know what you want to call it. Steve Bannon called it the Gestapo. But that's not law enforcement agency. They need to be dismantled. So, um again. Again, we're so thankful to our advertisers for making it possible for us to do the Doc Washroom show five times a week. Coming up, we're gonna get into just how bad William Barr is and The active shooter situation from just a few weeks ago, right here in America, that I'll bet you you never heard about in just a moment. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best-kept secret in American healthcare. care. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas which only weighs two ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system, and yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turn mypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Thank you again to Dr. J.R. Crabtree and his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree, our friends, our advertisers at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, TurnMyPowerOn.com. They have been so helpful to me and my wife and so many people that we know with all kinds of different health issues. Best kept secret in American health care. All right, now let's take a look at William Barr. And the great Julie Kelly over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, has a new article entitled, William Barr, The New Alisa Farah." Subtitle, the former AG wants to portray himself as an expert in all things classified and prejudge Trump's guilt, but when he could have shown that mishandling classified material is a serious crime, he punted. So, the article. To no one's surprise, Elisa Farah, Mike Pence's former press secretary, is the newest panelist on The View. Farah replaces Meghan McCain, who quit the show last year after suffering from postpartum depression and non-stop bullying by her leftist co-hosts. At least that was what she claimed, and I'm sure they did. Farah, however, will pick up where Megan McCain left off, using her voice as the only alleged conservative to bash Donald Trump and his supporters. She's been auditioning for the role on the Daily Talk Show ever since she left the White House in late 2020 following a well-trodden path that promises fame and fortune to Trump associates who turn on their former boss. Betrayers earn lucrative book deals, glowing coverage in corporate media, exclusive interviews on CNN, and newfound respect from one-time enemies. Such appears to be the case with former Attorney General William Barr. Picked by Trump in the spring of 2019, Barr who served in the same role under President George H.W. Bush, initially said all the right things about the need to clean up a compromised, partisan Department of Justice. Barr shut down Special Counsel Robert Mueller's two-year witch hunt into imaginary Trump-Russia election collusion, a probe that resulted in no criminal charges related to its original mission. Barr openly worried that a Praetorian Guard mentality at the Department of Justice and FBI propelled the unprecedented surveillance of Trump and his campaign team during the 2016 election. In May 2019, Barr told CBS News reporter Jan Crawford the same month he assigned U.S. Attorney John Durham to probe the origins of Crossfire Hurricane He told the CBS News reporter they identify the national interests with their own political preferences and they feel that anyone who has a different opinion, you know, is somehow an enemy of the state. Referring to concerns over foreign election interference, Barr said, it's just as dangerous to the continuation of self-government and our Republican system that we do not allow government power, law enforcement or intelligence power to play a role in politics, to intrude into politics and affect elections. But the well-known bagpiper, Barr likes to play the bagpipes, has changed his tune since then, and dramatically so. Suddenly, William Barr says the danger to the republic is not posed by blatantly partisan prosecutors and investigators exercising unchecked authority to play a role in politics. No, no. Now... He says the danger to the Republic is actually posed by Donald Trump. The Praetorian Guard mentality he once condemned now apparently is a welcome use of government power that should not be challenged by anyone, including a federal judge. Since the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago on August 8th, Barr has been on a nonstop publicity tour acting as the guardian of the current Praetorian Guard, downplaying The unprecedented nature of the raid, Barr sneered that, quote, it's also unprecedented for a president to take all this classified information and put him in a country club, unquote. An absurd description of Trump's private residence. Barr also mocked the idea that Trump could unilaterally declassify thousands of government documents. Just last week, Barr said, if he stood over scores of boxes not really knowing what was in them and said, I hereby declassify everything in here. That would be such an abuse and show such recklessness that it's almost worse than taking them. In a jaw-dropping interview with Fox News on Tuesday, William Barr invaded against U.S. District Court Judge Eileen Cannon's September 5 order to appoint a special master, a matter he earlier described as a red herring to review records taken by the FBI during the nine-hour pillage in Palm Beach, Florida. Her ruling was wrong and deeply flawed, Barr concluded, though he offered no specific reasons for how he could have possibly come to such conclusion. Naturally, Barr urged the Justice Department to appeal the decision. He told Martha McCallum, The fundamental dynamics of the case are set which is the government has very strong evidence of what it needs to determine whether charges are appropriate, which is government documents were taken, classified information was taken, and not handled appropriately, and there was evidence to suggest they were deceived. He also claimed Judge Cannon's ruling would be overturned on appeal. Late Thursday afternoon, the government did just that, Well, they appealed. I don't think it's been overturned yet. Anyway, Julie Kelly continues. So, what gives with Barr? Is he, like Mike Pence's former press secretary, Elisa Farah, and so many before her, hoping to land a gig as a cable news legal analyst where all of his opinions just happen to support whatever lawfare is waged against Trump? Is he trying to sell more books? Or is he just trying to get revenge against Trump for some undisclosed reason? It's unlikely Barr will answer those questions, nor will any reporter ask, but other questions demand Barr's response, not the least of which is why he waited until October 2020 to appoint John Durham as special counsel to investigate the Praetorian Guard. Why did Barr fail to hold a single Russian collusion perpetrator Criminally responsible during his 18 months as head of the Justice Department. Where was the wide ranging fraud, conspiracy, and obstruction case? Further, why did Barr decline to prosecute former FBI Director James Comey for handling and sharing government records, including some that contained classified or confidential information? Similarly, why did Barr refuse to charge former FBI Director? Andrew McCabe, for lying to federal investigators about his own involvement in sharing classified information related to a criminal investigation. And why didn't Barr find the Justice Department officials who leaked classified information about the FISA warrant on Carter Page to the Washington Post, among other high-level illicit leaks? Barr may now attempt to portray himself as the expert in all things classified, and prejudged Trump's guilt accordingly. But when Barr had the chance to send a message that keeping, sharing, and leaking classified government material is a serious crime deserving of serious consequences, he punted every time. Perhaps his Alisa Farah routine is convincing some viewers that his tough on classified crime stance is legitimate, but only those who don't know William Barr's recent and failed history. Ask Julie Kelly over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. And I got to tell you, she is sharp as a tack. And that's why I have her on the show whenever she's available because she's always breaking news. And that's why I have shared so many of her articles at American Greatness with you. All right, now, if I may, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Don Washburn Show Tweets of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Your Way, RedRiverYourWay.com, a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA. That believes in freedom, including your freedom, to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online and have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America, the, the, the lower 48, if you will. All right, then. Today's tweet of the day is from Melinda Richards. And this is an interview that was done by RT, RT Today. Now, RT is is a Russian organization. Uh, But this was an interview done in London. And both the interviewer and the interviewee sound quite British, so I'm not sure why it's on RT. But anyway, the interviewer is all in for man-made climate change. And he made the mistake of interviewing uh, a fellow named Pierce Corbin, Now, Piers Corbin is an astrophysicist and founder of something called Weather Action. And happily enough, the interview doesn't go the way that the young man trying to conduct it would hope that it would go. And so that's why it's today's tweet tweet of the day, because it's quite hilarious.
8: Russia's deadly wildfires, the smog-filled cities and poor harvest are being seen by some environmentalists as signs of climate change. Let's now cross live to London to discuss this with Piers Corbyn. He's an astrophysicist and also founder of Weather Action. Uh, Good to have you. Thanks very much indeed for joining us live there in London. So what we are seeing here is a drastic changing climate, aren't we? Well, climate has always been changing, uh, but this has nothing to do with man. In fact, we
9: predicted that there would be extreme heat in uh, East Europe and Russia this uh, summer. And uh, it's caused by a certain circulation pattern. CO2 does not cause circulation patterns. What causes those is combination of solar activity and uh, the state of the the phases of the moon. But
8: hang on, Piers, uh, wait, wait, fact, ex- excuse me, just a minute. You say this isn't caused by man. How come they're reporting this heat wave is recognised as the worst in a thousand years of recorded history in well, Russia? Well, and uh, surely well, of course. man has got something to do with this, hasn't he? No
9: nothing to do with it. The only only connection is man is here at the same time as the sun and the moon are doing things. Um, You see, a very similar situation happened about 132 years ago where there was the same sun, earth, lunar, magnetic states. There was uh, heat waves in Russia and there were also floods in Pakistan as now. And in the previous few years there was also uh, floods in the English summers, uh, also 132 years ago. So these things are... Dictated by solar activity in the moon, they're nothing to do with mankind. And those who say that are just trying to make money out but, of but, but But Are we not going to see this?
8: Like? Are we not going to see this again next year, the year on? I mean, it's only well, it's quite recent. That that's have- a
9: very interesting question. These things do come in bursts, and. We're working on that very question, those forecasts. We did say there would be a series of wet summers in England, for example, uh, which we've had. Now, will there be a series of these very hot hot summers in, in Russia? We don't know. We have to work on that. But I assure you, it's nothing to do with carbon dioxide. And if you stop, stop driving around Moscow, it won't affect next summer one job.
8: Well, how come then so many climate change scientists uh, disagree with you and they get so much? Well what they say they're on a gravy train for heaven's sake then
0: mate (laughs) uh, twitter ordinarily only allows you two minutes and 20 seconds so but you got the point at the end they're on the gravy train they get paid to say that right hey what they get paid to say that right all right then (laughs) that was fantastic all right, now, I've been promising you since we started the, uh, the show today uh, that I was going to tell you about an active shooter situation just a few weeks ago right here in America that you probably never heard about, okay? And it was in Phoenix, Arizona, And it was such a big deal that the Phoenix Police Department, it happened on August 28th, but on Friday, September 9th, the Phoenix Police Department finally released their report on it. And it includes... 911 calls and and, 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 uh, body camera and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, um, there's kind of a twist ending on this thing, but I I wonder why we haven't heard about this. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, my, my listeners in Central Arizona have heard about it. It was a big local story in Phoenix, Arizona, which is a major market. You know, Phoenix, Arizona is a big enough city to have Major League Baseball and NFL football and NBA basketball. It's a big city. So the folks there heard about it. Why didn't the rest of us? I'm Sergeant Vincent Cole with the Phoenix Police
10: Public Affairs Bureau. The information, audio, video, and pictures you're about to see are intended to provide details, as we currently understand them, of an officer-involved shooting that occurred on August 28, 2022. This video may contain strong language as well as graphic images, which could be disturbing to some people. Viewer discretion is advised.
0: Now, you know, I listened to the whole thing, and I, I don't, I didn't, really hear any strong language because, you know, I, I, you know, there's certain, there's certain words you're not allowed to use on the radio. Okay. Certain obscenities. Uh, the federal communications commission doesn't allow that on the, on the radio. Now on the internet, on a podcast, you can say whatever you want. You can say all the cuss words you want, but I don't talk like that. Because as a Christian, I mean, the Bible's pretty clear. We're not supposed to talk like that. So, you know, early on in the talk show, in the podcast, in the live stream, I made a couple of mistakes and let a couple of things get through without bleeping them. And, and you know, I heard from some folks and I felt bad about it. And so I try to keep from allowing that to happen again. But I listen to all this stuff and I, you know, I didn't hear any strong language if by strong language he means cuss words, anyway, um, here we have a segment with some nine one one calls, and they bleep out like locations. So, so you'll hear a little bit of uh, a dead air from time to time, but not because I don't. I don't think it's because of cuss words. It's just for some reason they, they didn't want the locations which is crazy because the TV news will tell you the name of the motel they'll show you the waffle house next door but for some reason the police didn't so that, that's fine anyway here's here's more of the video they produced to explain to people in Central Arizona the Phoenix metro area what happened?
10: The incident began around 8.30 on a Sunday night near 27th Avenue and Deer Valley Road when Phoenix police began receiving reports of shots fired in the area. Callers described a man shooting near a local motel and restaurant. Here are excerpts of several 911 calls received.
4: Phoenix
7: 911, where
4: is your emergency? Hi, my name is Smith at West Deer Valley I believe there's a man behind us in front of us firing an automatic weapon.
1: Oh, that there? Huh? That, was that what I just heard right now? Yeah, right now.
2: Phoenix 911, where is your emergency?
3: <laughs> there's a guy like shooting. Oh, he just threw something out the the location? Window. I'm at the window. I'm across the. He's got a gun in his hand with like a helmet on. He shot us like twenty times. Okay. He just he just threw out the window. He just okay, hit the he, window the he's in the okay. he's at the parking lot. He's walking around.
7: Phoenix nine one one, what is the address of your emergency?
3: Uh we're on Deer
1: Valley Road. We're at uh by I thirteen. Uh, there's a shootout in the parking lot
2: Okay, what's the you know the address?
1: I don't know where the address is, I man. I'm not from this part of the town. Do you,
5: know, do you know where the shooter is?
1: Uh, they're in the parking lot right now.
5: The shooter is still in the parking lot?
1: Yeah, there's like a white vehicle shooting with
0: some other individual.
7: Okay, I'm gonna, we have officers headed out there right now.
0: Okay, so I'm impressed by how calm and professional the um, the 911 operators were. I mean, you, you got to give it to them. Um, Now, because, I mean, if you watch this thing on YouTube, it's, it's really weird. You see security camera video of the guy coming out of his hotel room, walking down the hallway with all this gear on and everything and going out and starting to shoot at um, empty cars at night in a hotel parking lot. And then eventually the white car gets there and he shoots at them, but. Anyway, um, oh, I I shouldn't be stealing the police officer's thunder here, uh, communications guy for Phoenix Police. Here we go.
10: Much of the incident was captured on surveillance cameras from several businesses in the area. The cameras from the motel record video only, so we have taken the silent video from the motel and matched it to the nearest second with the sound of recorded surveillance video from a gas station next door to give you a better understanding of the events that took place. Video from inside the motel shows the suspect leaving his room wearing tactical gear, including a helmet, a ballistic vest, a gas mask, knee pads, and armed with a rifle and holding a Molotov cocktail. Once outside, he almost immediately began walking around firing his rifle at buildings and vehicles.
0: guy meant business shooting like crazy but why why and then things get worse
10: less than 30 seconds later as the suspect is walking through the parking lot a white car pulls in the suspect keys in on the car and opens fire on it striking and killing an adult male and an adult female Three other people inside the car take off running. The suspect continued to wander the parking lot, firing off dozens of rounds at random unoccupied cars he made his way closer to a restaurant with people inside and threw a Molotov cocktail at the window. The window did not break and the device did not ignite. The suspect came in contact with several community members that he pointed a gun at but did not shoot.
0: Wow. Well, that's weird. He was shooting the other people. Pointed guns at these people. But didn't shoot at them. All right. So, here's what happens when the police arrive.
10: For the next several minutes, the suspect walks around randomly, firing dozens of shots. Some of the bullets flying across Deer Valley Road, piercing cars and buildings, injuring a couple of innocent bystanders. As police neared the scene, the dispatcher advises shots are still being fired.
6: As of twenty forty three, they are still hearing shots being fired, and we do have one victim so far that was shot in the ear and the arm.
10: As officers arrived on scene, they were immediately met with a barrage of gunfire. Two officers were injured, one was able to return fire but did not hit the suspect.
0: Good grief. There's a, there's a twist at the end of this thing. We'll get to it in a minute. So an officer was hit. And this is what happens then.
10: Officers use call signs to
0: identify themselves on the radio.
10: Terminology such as nine thirty three NORA identifies a specific patrol unit. In this radio transmission, you will also hear 999, which is a police radio code for an officer needing help urgently.
5: 934 I'm 934 I'm 934 taking my partner's hit. He's in the parking lot of... 933 <thumbnail mustache. laughs>
1: <Feels> 999 Valley. Valley, 999, West Deer Valley, 999.
6: Valley
5: on Charlie deck 9, 27.
0: I'm hit 999 right nine, nine, nine. god bless him god bless him you know being a law enforcement officer is not cut out not everybody's cut out to be a law enforcement officer let me put it that way like the guys in Uvalde, remember that? Who just waited in the hallway while the, the murder, kept them murdering people, letting little kids bleed out, letting a teacher bleed out. Those guys aren't cut out to be law enforcement officers. These guys in Phoenix, they knew a guy had a pretty high-powered Weaponry there. And they come in blue lights blaring. Because that's what they signed up to do. God bless them. You know? You're not going to confuse these guys with the guys from Uvalde. I wasn't even thinking about that when I was doing the show prep for this thing. But, you know, it just dawned on me. These officers had to deal with it in the moment. So here's the next segment from the video that the Phoenix, Arizona Police Department put together.
10: Body-worn cameras are used by all officers assigned to patrol and several specialty units. Per policy, they are worn at mid-torso level and capture the view of the line of sight from that perspective. It's important to note that the body camera does not capture everything the officer sees and the officer does not see everything the body camera captures. When activated, both audio and video turn on. The body-worn camera has a buffer of video without audio for the 30 seconds prior to activation. This feature is designed to capture incidents that happen suddenly where an officer doesn't immediately activate the camera. The Phoenix Police Department does not currently use in-car camera systems. One of the injured officers was pinned down by gunfire. Other officers devised a plan to safely go in and extract him from the area. The injured officer was loaded into the back of a police patrol Tahoe and driven to a local hospital. Body worn camera footage of the initial contact is not available as the officers involved did not activate their camera.
8: Take him
6: Let's go, let's go, let's go,
1: let's go. Oh. You're good, buddy. You're good.
0: You're good. Wow, man. That's just, I mean, my hat's off to these guys. That's just got to be so difficult. I've talked to law enforcement officers before who had, who, 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 had to shoot somebody because you know I mean if you got the gun and the badge and somebody's got the gun pointed at you it's either you or him you don't have any choice but it's pretty traumatic you know when you have to shoot somebody that's what they tell me ongoing investigation in Phoenix, Arizona
10: the gunfire from the suspect
0: eventually stopped
10: When officers approached him, they found him dead from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. Investigators processing the scene located nearly 200 spent rifle casings, five empty magazines, unused flashbangs, which is an explosive device used to temporarily disorient a person, and other tactical equipment. The officer who returned fire in this incident has been on the department approximately four years and is assigned to the Cactus Park Precinct. The suspect in this case has been identified as Isaiah Williams, a 24-year-old male. This incident is the subject of an internal investigation. It will also be reviewed by the Maricopa County Attorney's Office. Conclusions about whether the actions of the officers are consistent with department policy will not be made until all facts
2: are known and the investigation is complete. This video was intended to inform and educate the public about a critical incident in our community. You can learn about the Phoenix Police Department's transparency policy on our website.
0: Okay, great. So how did I find out about this active shooter situation in which two people were murdered and several other people were wounded in Phoenix, Arizona on the evening of Sunday, August 28th? Well, the Phoenix Police Department released this video Friday, September 9th, and people started sharing it and talking about it on Twitter, which is where I do my show prep. And people are like, hey, did you hear about this? No. How come I didn't hear about this? It was crazy. But some people were saying, and you know what? Nobody has said anything anywhere about this 24-year-old Isaiah Williams. Can't find any social media on this guy. It's like if he was on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or whatever, it's gone. It's gone. And so I got to think about it. And um, so I did an Internet search for Isaiah Williams, in quotation marks, and then Phoenix Shooter. And so a local TV station there in Phoenix had an article entitled, Neighbors in Gilbert Describe Suspect Accused of Shooting, Killing Two People. So Gilbert, Arizona is, is a suburb of Phoenix. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, then somebody did talk about him. Somebody did describe this guy. Well, maybe we do know something. You know, it was a, what, what was he? A loner? Are you shocked because he was a nice guy everybody liked? Neighbors in Gilbert describe suspect accused of shooting, killing two people. Okay. Great. So let's see what the neighbors say about the suspect.
1: When I first got shot, I went
0: back in and
1: got my, told, woke him up, my son up, had him call 911, and
0: got my six year old put down in the corner. So obviously that wasn't the neighbors. That was somebody that got shot there. Um, You know, and the hotel situation. But we'll we'll, we'll get to the neighbors, I'm sure.
2: So that is just one victim after detectives say a man with a semi-automatic rifle and tactical gear killed two people and hurt several other people, including two officers. And tonight we are learning more
6: about the 24-year-old suspect accused of going on that deadly shooting spree last night in North Phoenix.
0: Okay, so we're going to learn more about the 24-year-old suspect, this Isaiah Williams guy. Okay, good.
6: Emma Lockhart joins us live. Emma, what do we know about that suspect?
0: Okay, here you go
6: the suspect, Isaiah Williams, was found dead after he turned the gun on himself. We believe he lived in this Gilbert neighborhood. Neighbors tell us police responded to one of these homes this morning, and a 24-year-old lived there. Now, we knocked on the door hoping to talk to anyone else who was there, but no one answered. Now, detectives say Williams was last seen was seen last night leaving a hotel room at the Days Inn off 26th Avenue in Deer Valley armed with a semi-automatic rifle, a ballistic vest, helmet, gas mask, and knee pads. Detectives say he fired into the hotel, then at a car pulling into a parking spot, killing a man and woman inside. He then reportedly opened fire on several police cruisers who were responding to the scene, hitting one officer in the shoulder. A second officer was injured by shrapnel. Now, people who reportedly live next door to Williams tell us they are shocked and disturbed by all the violence.
0: Okay, but the question was, what can you tell us about the shooter? Nothing yet, right? So, wait a minute. Wait a minute. N- neighbors who reportedly lived next door to him have, were, were shocked. Well, maybe we'll get something about
5: the shooter now.
6: Tell us they are shocked and disturbed okay. by All our right. violence.
5: I kind of hit home because it's like real close. It's like right a couple of houses down the street. So, you know, it could have been anybody else around in the community getting, you know, shot at and anything like that. So that's what I just thought about when I hear that.
0: Okay, so that's one neighbor. The title to this thing says neighbors in Gilbert describe suspect accused of shooting, killing two people. So all that neighbor said was um, apparently I lived a couple of doors down and that's kind of scary that he was violent. You know, hearing that he shot people. Okay. So, what else do we have here?
6: Now, police say Williams also threw a Molotov cocktail at a business and shot three other innocent bystanders. Detectives say. The suspect was later found dead and believed he shot himself in the head. Now, both injured officers are expected to be okay. One was already released from the hospital. We still don't know the names of the man and woman who were shot and killed. But, of course, as we learn more on this investigation, we will update you. Live in Gilbert, Emma Lockhart for Arizona's Family.
0: Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's not good enough. Because what you said was, neighbors in Gilbert describe suspect accused of shooting, killing two people. And you only talked to one neighbor, and he described nothing about the guy. He just said, Ooh, that's scary. You mean the guy down the street was shooting people across town? So thank you so much, KPHO TV. Channel 5, CBS 5, they call themselves Arizona's family for some reason, for uh, playing me for a fool. Well, neighbors subscribe the shooter. I want to know what, I mean, so no wonder everybody on Twitter talking about this was like, yeah, we can't find out anything about the guy. Can't find out anything about the guy. Now, I wonder why that is. Anybody have any ideas about that? Now, one of my commenters here on the Podbean app, listening to the show live, says, well, you know, if it was a a white guy, his his face would be plastered all over everything. Okay, but the mass shooter in, in Memphis who... Killed several people the other night. He's a black guy, and they had his face all over everything. I don't know. Well, no, okay, I, I got you. Not the national news. Okay, I get it. But Memphis TV did. Um, I get it. Not CNN, MSNBC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Memphis TV did. But see, Phoenix TV didn't even have a picture of this guy. Now, for no apparent reason, I'm reminded of what a buddy of mine said on Twitter about active shooters in the FBI on Monday. This is a guy who goes by Party Man Randy. He says, still thinking about these two unrelated facts. Number one, school shooters are always known to the FBI unemployed, and have thousands of dollars worth of guns and ammo. Number two, in the Governor Whitmer kidnapping case in Michigan, the FBI gave their autistic patsies thousands of dollars and told them to buy guns and ammo. He says, it's weird how my mind keeps connecting those two facts, even though they are completely unrelated. Who was it? Was I'm trying to remember which active shooter it was who, who left an, a note? Well, goodbye, FBI agent. Was that the guy in Buffalo? Here, last couple of months. I don't know. Hey, I got an idea. Have you ever heard? Have you ever heard about the uh, draw Mohammed cartoon contest in Garland, Texas, a few years back, where the guy, um, two guys. Two like Muslim jihad guys drove all the way from the Phoenix, Arizona area to Garland, Texas to uh, to murder all these people who were um, making fun of their prophet. Well, it was an FBI sting operation because uh, there's an FBI agent who's driving right behind them. So the two jihad guys pull up, get out of the car and, and, and start shooting. And fortunately, the people who put on the Draw Muhammad cartoon contest uh, had an off-duty cop there providing security, and he shot and killed both of them. But the FBI agent just sat in his car right behind their car. He wasn't going to stop them from killing people. Did I mention a while back that I I think it would be a good idea to dismantle the FBI?
9: Yeah, I think I did.
0: I think I did. All right, that having been said, you've been listening to episode 236 of the all new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messi. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansoor's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. Now, well, that's the way it is, Saturday, September 10th, 2022.